Praise the Lord. Well, we are concluding this morning a series called Call to Fall. The word fall meaning falling in prayer, uh, your prayer life. I have been trying for the last six weeks to help you have a more meaningful prayer life. Hopefully more than just a 911 when you're in trouble to heaven, but hopefully these words that we've been sharing, they're all online. You can go back and look at the notes and read them, but we'll help you have a time each day to spend time with God in prayer. Uh, the weekend after Labor Day, I'm going to start a new series, Lord willing, called Jesus Said What? <laughs> it's, about, it's about the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 7, and 8, arguably, or 5, 6, and 7, arguably the greatest uh, teaching the world has ever heard. But this morning, let me kind of give you a broad picture of the place of prayer. Ignore my signs just a moment, and I want you to think of this chain. Imagine on this side here, you've got your, uh, you've got your teenage daughter, and she calls you in the middle of the night, and she said, Daddy, I ran my car off the road. Somebody was almost hit me, and I'm stuck in a ditch. Well, Daddy uh, has a Ford F-150 with four-wheel drive. Come on now, so he can do some good. So he gets his truck, and he takes his chain, and he hooks it up to the F-150, and he hooks his chain up to the little girl's Toyota, and he puts it in four-wheel drive, and nothing happens. Because something's missing in the chain. The chain's hooked up to Dad's car. It's hooked up to the little girl's car, but what it's missing is a link. So he goes to... Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever he goes or Tractor Supply and he gets a link and he puts it in the chain and then he puts it in gear and out she comes. Well, that's exactly what prayer is like. Needs that are in the world today, they're everywhere, they're all around, they're overwhelming. God is an all-powerful God, but God has chosen to limit much of his activity to the prayers of his people. God can and does act sovereignly on his own without anybody's uh, anticipation or desire. But oftentimes it takes the place of prayer. And this is what I've tried to help you with, to connect God to the needs in the world around us. Now, one more little uh, illustration. We have been using a ladder to illustrate our daily prayers. I pray this way every day. If I have 10 minutes to pray or if I have up to an hour to pray, I use a ladder depicting the Lord's Prayer. And if you remember in the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. First prayer, we're praying to our Father. It's got faith in it. Uh, we're closing by saying your kingdom, uh, uh, um, that is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. So there's praise at the end. But here's the focus. There's four petitions. The first one we talked about last week, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Before I ever pray for my daily bread or my needs, I'm praying for God's kingdom to come. Then I pray for forgiveness for my sins and others that God would keep you from temptation and evil. And last week we focused here on this second step because our temptation is to start right... It was a pretty cool socks there today. Right? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> old man trying to be young again, I guess. But we want to start right here and go and say, God help me, I'm in trouble, I have needs. But there's something about the right approach. But if you're agreeing with me that we're going to start on the second step, let your kingdom come, let your will be done... What is God's will and how do we know it? This is a little more in prayer than just praying, Lord, you come have your way. We want to specifically pray what God's will is. And you say, well, how do I find that out, Pastor? Well, let me tell you two things. One and most importantly is that we know what the Bible says and we pray according to the Bible. For example, if you're dealing with an obstinate boss or a crazy neighbor uh, that's definitely in need of Christ, when you pray for their salvation, you know you're praying for the will of God. God wants all to be saved, the Bible says, and come to salvation. But there's some things we don't know. There's some things we don't know if we should buy a house, sell a house, should we move, uh, should we change jobs. 
And these are things where the focus of my message goes today. The Holy Spirit wants to show us how to pray. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in your prayer life. Now, I recently heard a Christian missionary statesman describe himself this way. He said his life is built on two foundations. One is evangelical theology, and the second is charismatic experience. It's a brilliant, educated man. Evangelical theology is simply a belief that the Bible is the inerrant and authoritative Word of God, that Jesus, God the Son, is the only Savior of the world. Uh, charismatic experience is, is what it says. It is an experience rooted in the Bible, but it's rooted in a belief that the activity of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts in the Bible is for today. In other words, God's supernatural acts, that if you read in the Bible about miracles, about spiritual gifts, about the presence of God, that these things can and should be for today. A theology rooted in Christ in the Bible, an experience rooted in the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit. Well, this is, why, th this is what Church on the Rock believes. This is who we are. This is what we uh, aspire to. And, and one difference that we would have from many other churches is that we really do believe that God's presence can and should be in our midst. I remember several years ago, it's kind of funny, but uh, it was a lady that became a friend, but she was new to the church, and she caught me in the kitchen, and she kind of cornered me, and she said, now you tell me the truth. Are you putting subliminal messages on those songs? Because I feel something different when I come in this building. And, a true story. And I said, I laughed, but I, that's the presence of the Lord. It's the presence of the Lord. It's perhaps why you're here, because you know that there's something more than just a quick in and out church service. There's something more in your life than just a, a shallow knowledge of God. Or, 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 but, but, but the presence of God, a dynamic of the Holy Spirit can and should be real. Well, this is what I want to talk about today, but specifically how the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, God the Spirit, wants to be helpful to you in your prayer life. The first part of my message is very general and broad. It's about you climbing this ladder each day aware that the Holy Spirit's showing you how to pray. And you say, well, Pastor, that sounds a little subjective. Well, it is. You have to learn how to hear the voice of God. Uh, you know, Tiger Woods is on a roll now in golf. We thought he was done, but even now he'll hit it in the woods every once in a while. He may hit it in a pond. Well, how many know when he hits it in a pond, he doesn't just quit and say, I'm never playing golf again. No, he gets another ball out of his bag, takes a penalty shot, and goes forward. We need to give each other the right to learn to grow spiritually. I don't expect my five-year-old to know what my 15-year-old knew. I don't expect my 20-year-old to have the maturity that my 30-year-old has. We're growing naturally, but we're also growing spiritually. And I want to kind of nudge you in this message in terms of your understanding and reliance on the Holy Spirit to help you in your prayer life. And I've called it simply this, praying in the Spirit. It is a biblical term that I think uh, will, will be very meaningful to you today. Go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, and let's talk about how the Spirit helps us pray. Now in Romans chapter 8, uh, the context of, of, of the whole New Testament was persecution and suffering. Wherever the church would go, satanic, antichrist forces were trying to stop it. You know the great verse in the Bible, Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, called according to his purpose. But prior to that, he is recognizing that there's persecution and suffering coming, but he wants to give them hope because Jesus Christ is literally coming again. But then he writes these words that we'll look at, Romans 8, 26, and, and listen for the, about the Holy Spirit. 
He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Now, again, he's talking to a persecuted, a suffering people, and he's saying the Holy Spirit, be they physical, emotional, spiritual weaknesses. The tense of this verb, uh, of this Greek word, means that it is he continually helps us. And the sense is that you are carrying a heavy load. And it's like somebody walking along with you. If you're carrying, you know, I don't know, a 100-pound bag of cement, and, 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 or you've got 250s, and, and, and you can barely do it on your own, but someone comes up to you and says, let me help. And they take it, and they put it up in the truck with you. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do there. But notice this next phrase. He said, for we don't know what to pray as we should. When I go to prayer, listen, if I start my prayer life on step three, give me daily bread, I know exactly what I want. I want a raise at work. Uh, you know, I, I, I want a new job. Uh, I want a new car. I want, I want something to work. But what the Holy Spirit, is, what, what Scripture says here is that we don't always know what to pray. We don't always know what the right prayer is. And it seems to be that the more specific the prayer is, the better it is. Notice what it says. The Spirit himself... The Holy Spirit is not a, a ghost. That was an, an older King James translation. They're trying to translate the word pneuma or spirit. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Yes. Now, we know that Jesus, the Bible says, is at the right hand of God the Father, and he is interceding for us. But now we see God the Holy Spirit is praying for us as well. To intercede means standing in the middle, standing between John Miller and God. The Holy Spirit is praying. This next phrase, with groanings too deep for words, don't, don't get hung up on that. It simply means an expression that can't be expressed in our words. But, but here's what I want you to see. The Spirit, uh, I'm sorry, verse 27. He who searches hearts, and that's God the Father, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, and the Spirit praying. And here we say it again. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, what's it say? According, according to the will of God. So wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with, and you may not even be aware of it, but the Holy Spirit is praying with you. Yes. He is in your struggles. He is praying. Now, here's the key point that I want you to take away from this, is that phrase that says, we don't know what to pray. We don't always know what to pray in the circumstances of our life, but the Holy Spirit does. And he's praying for God's will to be done. Now, let me give you an example here that we don't always know what to pray for. Imagine you've got a teenage girl. She's been the apple of your eye. She's been involved in Sunday school. She's involved in youth. But all of a sudden, she's 15, 16, and her heart's growing cold to God. And uh, she won't let you in her world. You don't quite know why. And it could be the first thought you have is, well, she's got worldly friends, and they're pulling her away. She's, she's just you know, starting to love the world more than God. And that's certainly possible. But you know it's also possible that she has been dealing with rejection ever since the divorce, since she was 11, and she fails rejection. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty now, but I'm telling you, our consequences affect our children, and she's felt rejected since she was 11, and now she's even pulled away from her heavenly father that she can't relate to. Maybe this little girl had a crisis with God. Maybe when she was 11, uh, Fluffy, her kitty, died. And her Sunday school teacher taught her that if she prayed, God would hear her pray. But apparently in this case, God didn't. And as she got older, she began to watch TV. As she got older, she began to be educated in a secular system in America that tells her there is no God. And in her little mind, she started thinking maybe that's true. 
So when you're praying for that little girl, I suggest to you that when you know and can come to understanding what the root of the problem is, your prayers will be more effective. It's like if you can imagine if you're a blind person and you know there's two chains, you know there's God's needs and God's power, but if you're blind and you're trying to hook it up, and you, just, you just don't know where it is. But if you have eyes to see and you can make the connection, there's a greater potential that your prayers will be answered for your little girl. So this is what I want you to see. The Holy Spirit wants us to grow spiritually. He wants you and I to mature, not be just Christian babies in diapers, but He wants us to grow up spiritually. So we learn to hear the voice of God. Christianity is more than going to church. We're glad you're here. But it's, gr it's growing spiritually till you become a strong spiritual person. Now let me give you another scripture along this lines. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6. The context is spiritual warfare. The Bible teaches us if you read Ephesians 6, you would see that there's a, a cosmic struggle, struggle going on. And it's not just Republicans and Democrats. The struggle that's going on, the Bible says, is, is not just people, but there are spiritual forces in the world behind it. And then you know, of course, the armor of God, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. But then he says this. It all points to this place, Ephesians 6, 18. And I want you to, Paul says this, to pray Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. In other words, I want you to learn how to sync up, link up with the Holy Spirit in your prayer life so throughout your journey through life you can be praying prayers that are clearly praying the will of God as discerned on that, on that second level. Notice what it says, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Well, you say, Pastor, I thought it was just one kind of prayer. God, give me daily bread. God, fix what's broken. No. There's prayers of petition, certainly, prayers of supplication. There's prayers of intercession, prayers of thanksgiving. But notice what he goes on to say. With this in mind, this type of prayer, be what? Be alert. be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So what does it mean to be alert? It means to listen to the Holy Spirit, to have an awareness of what the Holy Spirit's praying as you are in your prayer, to prayer time. So... so in the spirit is not a spooky phrase. Uh, it simply means this, to be directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when he says pray in the spirit, let the Holy Spirit direct your prayers. Uh, it could mean not just in the spirit or by the spirit, a different, uh, a different, uh, uh, different word rather than in. Pray by the spirit, which means to be inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit in your prayer life. Uh, this is possible for all of us, to listen to the Holy Spirit if he guides us. And I'm not talking about being spooky and weird now, okay? I mean, no, any good thing can be end you up in a ditch if you get off of the... I'm not talking about saying, oh God, the refrigerator's empty. As I get into my car, am I going to Walmart or Super One? The cherries were fresher at Super One, Walmart. But Super One has better prices. Lord, let your wind just blow me. And the wind is open and you feel this breeze. So naturally you turn that way. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> now listen, I, I, I've done some real, you know, genuine things from a heart of simplicity. Like, God, please speak to me and open the Bible and hope an angel appears. But, but, but I'm talking about the reality that there's a real God and God is near and somehow God wants to communicate with me. It is subjective. But that doesn't mean that it's mystical, spooky, or weird. It was normal in the early church. And, and this is what we're, we're talking about today. See, uh, Jesus told us in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he's going to do what? 
guide you to all truth. Then he said he will declare to you things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit knows the future. He knows what to do. And if the Spirit knows what to do, how many know it just makes a lot of sense to ask him? So literally in my prayer life, I pray, Lord, would you help me to pray today? One of my biggest prayers right now is we're praying for a way to expand our church. And I'm not quite sure what to do, but I am praying every day and I'm asking God to show me. Listen, this is what we're looking for. Now, let's go to the second part of the message now. And I'm going to talk specifically about one way that the Apostle Paul encouraged us to pray in the Spirit. Um, and this is an interesting word because what I'm about to talk about is I promise you something that's going to polarize us. I promise you it's going to be controversial. I promise you it's going to be misunderstood and misused because we don't understand something very simple in the Bible that was powerful in the life of the early church believers. And I want to help you. Uh, notice, let's read 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 5. Here's what he said. Paul the Apostle said, and here's the guy now, <laughs> caught up to the third heaven, wrote two-thirds of the Bible. He said this amazing phrase, I want you all to... Now, what in the world does that mean? I suggest to you the translator of the word glossolalia, which called speaking in tongues, it could be speaking in different languages, speaking in an unlearned language, and I'm going to call it spirit talk, but I want to suggest to you that that whole idea has divided modern-day Christianity. How many know as Christians we're divided by many things? If you're a sincere person and if you're looking for where to find a church, and, and if you don't Google it, but if you go to an old phone book, you're going to find about 50 places in Texarkana that say the church. And as we're looking for the true, true church, uh, what I believe is happening in the, in the world today, denominations are becoming less pronounced and the big dividing line in Christianity is, do you believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God? And do you believe Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation? See, because the word, world would call that bigoted today, but Jesus said, I am the way, the, the truth, the life, definitive articles. Uh, no man comes to the Father but by me. There's an exclusiveness about what Christ did. But even in this circle of those of us, we evangelicals, call us whatever you want to, uh, uh, Christians, Orthodox Christians, Bible-believing Christians, there's a great division on the person of the Holy Spirit in church life today and the expressions of the church. Maybe you were raised in a church that went as far as to say, speaking in this unknown language or in tongues or whatever, that's of the devil. Maybe you were in an older Pentecostal denomination that said, unless you, unless you practice this spirit talk, unless you speak in tongues, you're not even saved. There's a lot of erroneous things that are out there and that divide us. There are denominations in Christianity today that were deeply concerned about modesty, but it's almost like if you walk in the building today, the most important thing is, is how's the ladies dressed and how's her hair and does she have makeup or jewelry on? Are you with me today? Modesty is important, but modesty is not what should define us. And what we've allowed to do, even in the charismatic, which the Greek word charisma, the gifts of the Spirit, or the Pentecostal world, that's, that's from the Pentecost, day of Pentecost. That world has somehow isolated itself because of the misuse of this particular gift. This ability for the Holy Spirit to pray through us, which can be very wonderful, can also be very divisive. And I want to do my best today to kind of bring an explanation that will hopefully help you understand that God offers to all of us the ability to pray under the unction of the Holy Spirit in a way that's going to make our prayers effective, but yet not be divisive, confusing, spooky, or weird. So if you let me do that today, I, I want to explore again 1 Corinthians chapter 14 
uh, and I'm going to use the term spirit talk, but verse 5 is our core, but I want to step back a little bit, and I want you to see the context. How I many know when we read the Bible, we read it in context? Which simply means the Bible was not written to me in the year 2000. It was written to, for example, the church in Corinth in early, maybe the 40s or the 50s. Uh, the Bible was written specifically. So when I read the Bible, and this is why I have a study Bible, uh, the, whether it's the ESV study Bible, uh, uh, the, the New Living Translation study Bible, but I want a Bible that's going to tell me something about the background of what was going on so I can interpret its words and then apply them in my life. So if I could paint a little context for 1 Corinthians 14, where our verse is this morning, let me go back to 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul makes this <laughs> amazing statement. He said, in the following instructions, in other words, what I'm going to tell you in the next few chapters, I can't praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. How many know when we come to church, and I'm going to say this lightly, but we should feel better when we leave. And I don't just mean emotionally, but we should, we should feel like we're closer to God. We should feel like, you know, we've, we've released our sins to the Lord. We should feel like, you know, God's going to help us. We should have learned the Bible. We should have been spiritually strengthened. We should feel like you do after a good workout and after you've taken a shower and recovered. That's what church should be like. But what Paul is saying, look, you guys, you're having problems when the church comes together. And then he mentions two. The first is the Lord's Supper, which we just received today. But did you know in the Lord's Supper in chapter 11, he says, in your church, many people are weak, sick, and dying because they fail to discern the Lord's body. Now, I don't have time to go into explain it, but they, 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 their church was messed up. Well, then the second thing he's going to say, you're messed up in the way you're using spiritual gifts. What he's going to do is he's going to take chapter 12 and he's going to teach the church that there's nine different spiritual gifts. For example, the gift of prophecy, a word of knowledge. Uh, I believe that's what I shared in the beginning of the service with someone that was desperate and ready to give up on life. It wasn't something I got by Googling. It wasn't something that I went down a list and picked number 14. But I believe the Holy Spirit revealed that to me. But just because I said it doesn't make it true. The Bible tells us in, in Thessalonians, don't despise prophecy, but test all things, prove all things, and hold fast to that which is good. Uh, how many like to eat watermelon? I don't like the watermelons as much that now these genetically you know, engineered with no seeds. I like a watermelon that's grown out in a field that's about that long, it's got stripes in it, and when you put the knife to it, you hear this cracking sound. And when you get it open, you know what you do. You take a spoon and you touch right in that heart where no seeds are and you taste it. And if it's as good as you hope it's going to be, you're not telling anybody. You're going to put saran wrap, you're going to put it in the refrigerator and you're going to eat that watermelon. But when you cut that watermelon and it's full of seeds, you don't say, my God, I wasted $10 and throw it away. No, you spit out the seeds. So can I suggest, first of all, let me say this. I, have been in, I was raised Methodist. I have been in what's called the Assembly of God Pentecostal, New York Pentecostal, Charismatic, whatever you want to call it. I have been in that part of Christianity for a long, long time. I've seen some pretty weird things in church, but I have also had some extreme benefits when it comes to my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I want to share some of those with you in this passage today. But once again, there was error in the church, and he's going to correct it. Now, chapter 12, he lists the nine gifts. Chapter 13, he talks about the motivation of love, how we treat one another. And then chapter 14, he's going to address a problem. Well, when they were having church, what was happening is people were speaking in this unlearned language, that is, the Holy Spirit gave them. 
You say, well, now how is that possible? How is it possible at the Tower of Babel? The earth had one language, and it did not come from cavemen with grunts. They had one language at the Tower of Babel, and God confused their languages, and they were scattered over the face of the earth. If I was studying cultural anthropology, that would be my starting place for the migration of peoples across the planet. Uh, that's how, that's a, and, and God can give a person a language that they didn't have to take, Spanish 1, 2, and 3. Now, see, what that does to our natural mind is we just, whoa, 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 wait a minute. See, because you and I have been schooled in secular thought for so long, faith has been under attack for whatever, 100-plus years in America today. We're told that, 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 that rationalism, the enlightenment, all these different things are superior to faith, and that filters through our education system and everything about us, and this kind of supernatural things that are of God, we get lost in the mix. So here's, here's a, what was happening there. In their church service, people that were practicing this spirit talk, in other words, the Holy Spirit had given them this prayer language to pray, they were just praying out loud. Uh, and it was disturbing, it was confusing. For example, in worship time today, how would you feel if someone right behind you was, was, was singing real loud in German? And we're all singing in English, and you wouldn't have a clue what they're saying. Or if someone on the front row is doing it, you would spend most of your time in, in worship time staring at them rather than worshiping the Lord. Well, that was happening in the church, and it was out of order. And Paul's going to try to correct it. And what he's going to try to do is he's going to try to say, there's something very valid about this spirit stuff, about praying in the spirit. But you guys have messed it up. Let me show you how to do it in the right way when you come together in a church service. So let's explore it together. Uh, look now in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He said, you should truly want to have spiritual gifts. You should desire this. Now, again, if you were raised in what's called cessationism, that the gifts of the Spirit were only for yesterday, when the apostles died or when the Bible was canonized and all that stuff is over, you've got to take scissors to a lot of the Bible. I want to suggest to you what was cut out shouldn't be cut out. We should all desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And I'll explain why. Those who have the gift of speaking in different languages, or the translator speaking in tongues, again, it's the Greek word glossolalia, and I suggest to you a more you know, amenable uh, description of it is speaking in a different language. They're speaking to God. Now, could that be a bad thing? No, of course not. No one understands them. Interesting. But they're speaking secret things now, isn't that interesting? So somehow the Holy Spirit is giving them an, a, a spiritual ability to talk to God, and other people are not in the loop on it, and we guess that's okay. This word, through the Spirit, it means the human spirit acting under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me go back, if I could, with you a moment. The first time this happened in the Bible is the day of Pentecost. Remember the day of Pentecost? Jesus told them to wait after, his, after the resurrection until the Holy Spirit had been poured out in the church. Well, this is what happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. They're already Christians. And they began to speak in different languages by the power the Holy Spirit was giving them. Now, in this particular case, other people understood them. In other words, if you would go back to Acts 2, you would see that people said, hey, what's going on here? We understand this. We're Parthenians, we're Medes, etc. We understand their language and they're praising God. But yet here, what we read Paul saying is other people don't understand it. So what I'm suggesting to you, God can use this language in many ways. 
God can use this language to speak to people who don't understand it. But yet God can use this language as a very personal thing for you just to be able to pray and talk to God. Look at, look at verse 3. Those who prophesy, they're speaking to people to give them strength, encouragement, and comfort. For example, let's say during that, 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 that time again when I shared what I believed was a word of knowledge about someone that was contemplating taking their life. What if I would have said to you those same words in uh, uh, Croatian? What if I'd have said that same thing in, in uh, pick a language? Sotsil Indians. You know what you'd have done? You'd have gone. This is what happens when I go to Mexico. When I go to Mexico and hear them, well, Spanish too. I know, a little, I know how to go to the bathroom and order lunch and say thanks and, where, and God bless you in Spanish. But when I go to the native tribes, I just go. And they're singing for two hours and I know the Lord is there, but I don't understand it. And that's what he's saying. But then he says this. He says, the one who speaks in this different language, this spirit talk, they're, only hel- they're helping only themselves. Now, he didn't say that's bad, but he's saying they're helping themselves. Other translations are a little clearer. You build yourself up. You're strengthened personally. Now, how many get down and d- struggling sometimes? Jason and I. Well, God bless you, spiritual people. <laughs> well, the Bible says when you're down, the Holy Spirit wants to help you pray in a way that's going to help you get up. Now, here's our text, verse 5. I wish all of you had this gift of speaking in different languages. In other words, he said, I wish every Christian could have this ability to partner and join with the Holy Spirit in their prayer life to make it stronger, deeper, and more meaningful. But then he goes on to the problem in the church service. But more, I wish you had prophecy because those who prophesy are greater than those who can only speak in different languages unless someone who's there that can explain what is said so the whole church can be helped. In other words... The context here is not, listen, if you're in a, 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 a small group and all of you are comfortable with this, I think it's great. Listen, my wife and I pray together with this spirit talk that I'm calling all the time. If we get a call in the middle of the night and there's a crisis going on, my wife instantly gets in this spirit mode and starts praying. If she gets a text message, if she reads on Facebook about an accident, because we don't know anything to pray. I mean, clearly your rational mind says, God help the doctors and, 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 and the nurses and the ambulance driver. But there's other dynamics, come on now, that you can be more effective bringing God and the needs together. And she just goes right into this. It's not out appropriate. It's not out of place. But he's saying when the church is together as a whole, be careful that you don't alienate people. You see, and what, what to take off from this is, is Paul wants all believers to practice this because it builds us up and strengthens us. And secondly, the thing is that unless that there's a right and a wrong time to use this spirit talk. Are you with me today? I hope I'm helping you. Look at verse 13. The one who has the gift of speaking in a different language should pray for the gift to interpret what is spoken. You say, what are you talking about? Go back to the prior chapter, chapter 12, and you'll see that two of the nine gifts, one are praying in this unlearned language, and one is interpreting it, what it says. Uh, And now verse 14, this is what I think is the coolest part of this whole passage. He said, if I pray in a different language, my my spirit is praying, but my mind does nothing, or I don't understand. Now wait just a second. What's the difference between your spirit and your mind? You don't know and I don't know. You can have brain surgery and them operate on that little brain up there, but that's not your spirit. See, the Bible teaches that we are body, soul, 
and spirit. Uh, when you're born again, is your mind born again? No. Are your emotions born again? No. Are your feelings born again? No. Your what? Your spirit is born again. Well, we, 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 we're not even taught this, 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 this triune being in, in America today. Uh, psychology or, or, or the soul, the Greek word psyche, we get psychology. I got a minor in psychology uh, many years ago in college, but, but it was all man-centered. It was started a secular institution, and how many know any knowledge that starts wrong will ultimately end up with some wrong conclusions? For example, if you believe that everything evolved, it started with a Big Bang or a pre-existing universe, some of your conclusions are going to be wrong as you go up. You may understand a lot of how knowledge fits together and how to get you know, a spacecraft to go to the sun and take pictures or whatever, but some of your conclusions have to be wrong because the basis is wrong. So I, I'm told that today in modern psychology, uh, they don't even believe there is a soul. Because you see, the soul is a biblical concept. And our secular world wants to erase anything that has to do with God and, and Bible. So this is the world we're living in today. But the Bible says your spirit can pray. And everyone would have to agree that has to be a good thing. But not only does it pray, he also goes on to say, I will sing with my spirit. And I'll sing with my mind. Is that in your Bible? Yeah. Not some of yours. S same Bible that John 3, 16, for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son, says pray with your mind and pray with your spirit. It says not, and listen, this is not going to heaven or hell kind of thing, but this is the effective Christian life. Uh, let's look at verse 23. Suppose the whole church meets together and everyone's speaking in different languages. Imagine over here in worship time, you're speaking in Spanish and, 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 and you're speaking in Arabic and you're again in Croatian. I don't know why I'm there. You're in Latvian. That's my heritage. And we're all speaking these languages and we're scratching our head wondering, what in the world are they saying? This is what he's saying. Suppose the whole church meets together. Everyone speaks in a language, but some people come in who don't understand or don't believe. What will they say? They will say you are. I'm going to come back to that. But suppose someone is prophesying, in other words, common language, encouraging words, the secret things in their hearts will be made known to everyone. Now, when I had that word, what I believe was from the Lord about someone being the edge of taking their life, I could be wrong. But you know what? If I was right, if I heard from the Holy Spirit and someone within the audience or someone listening to the live stream and those words were said, that would cause them to believe that God is real and God cares, come on now, than anything else. This is exactly what he's saying. Now, I want to go back to the part when they'll say, you're crazy. And let me tell you a little bit of my experience. I was, a, I was raised a Methodist, grateful for my heritage, saved with a Gideon, got discipled by the Navigators, and ended up in Adak, Alaska in an Assembly of God church. And I remember uh, when I went to that church, it was in a chapel annex, and it was a long hallway leading to it. And that morning when I came out of it, was a Unitarian service. He didn't even believe in the Bible. So I quit going there. But, but, but I came out and I saw these two guys. And they had their big old Bibles. This was during the Jesus movement in the 70s. And they had gu guitars. And I thought, man, I'm going to check these guys out. So I go over and they, we start talking about Jesus. And how many know you can meet a stranger and in five minutes feel like he's your brother? Because there's a common bond in Christ. And they said, well, we're having church tonight. I remember when I went to their church service, they opened this long hallway into the service, 
and these people have their hands lifted. Now, I'm raised Methodist, okay? We didn't do that. So what comes to your mind? There must be somebody with a gun. You know, they're holding everybody up. And then I didn't think that, but I'll tell you this. I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't know the Bible verse that said, lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. But I went in, and then it got worse. I heard people sing in this tongues, unlearned language, and I thought, Okay. Time to be truthful with you now. And I thought it was nuts. But at the same time, I felt something there. And I'm not suggesting our feelings guide us, but I sense the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit that came in my life when I was converted. I sensed that He was there in their midst. And thank God that those people did for me what I'm trying to do for you is to open the Bible and showed me that what was happening in there was in the Bible, even though it was maybe misused a little bit, but there was some reality that was there. And can I tell you, friends, it changed my life. Having this encounter with the Holy Spirit is is second only to my salvation experience. Now, let me me, uh, wrap this up. You see, and this is why when people come to our church, uh, we have Pentecostal roots, but over the years when we were kind of practicing this, you know, out loud in service, it was just scaring a lot of people. People didn't understand, and not many people were getting saved. Come on now. Not many people were, were, were being discipled. And how many know that's the main thing? So we changed a little bit to make church about primarily exalting Jesus. Are you with me today? Helping people have an encounter with God. Because when you come here, listen, you should sense the presence of the Lord with no distractions. And that's, 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 that's why we, we made that little change. But let me kind of wrap up. How do you receive this ability? Do, you have, do I have to go to Adak, Alaska, Pastor, for this to happen to me? No, I would direct you back to the Bible. Now, you remember the day of Pentecost was the first time the Holy Spirit came on the church, but it was not an isolated experience. If you look in Cornelius, Acts chapter 12, a second occasion where the Holy Spirit just, it almost seems like randomly, but it was deliberate, fell on the people with nothing happening. But in the rest of the occasions, there's about three more in the New Testament, people would lay their hands on them and pray for them. And it was like a spiritual transference. Let me read this to you. Acts chapter 19, to me, this is one of the most convincing scriptures that shows that there is a second experience beyond salvation that a Christian can have with the person of the Holy Spirit. Acts 19 verse 1, Paul was visiting some places on his way to Ephesus. And there he found some followers of Christ or some believers. In verse 2, he asked them this strange question. Did you receive the... Holy Spirit when you believed. Now, why would he ask that? If at conversion, you, quote, got all the Holy Spirit there ever was and there ever could be, and that was it. He realized there was something more. They said to him, well, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And Paul said, well, what kind of baptism did you have? He's talking about water baptism. And they said to him, it was the baptism that John the Baptist taught. It was a baptism of repentance, turning from sin. And verse 5, he straightened out their theology. He heard this, and now they're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question. Do you think they're Christians? They're called believers. They're baptized in water. But look at verse 6. And again, they're going to heaven now. But verse 6, Paul laid his hands on them. And the what? Holy Spirit came on them. And what was the evidence? They began yeah, speaking different languages and prophesying. In other words, something that would be unique for them and God 
in their prayer language, a spiritual gift that they could share with the broader body of Christ, specifically the gift of prophecy. And this is what happened there. So again, if you would ask me today, say, Pastor, how could I receive this ability? Well, here's what I'd tell you. I would tell you, I would just keep going for prayer and asking people to pray for me, to lay their hands on me and pray for me that the same thing that happened in the New Testament would happen for me. That if it was good enough for the early believers, not just good enough, but necessary. You see, Jesus wouldn't let them start the church until Acts 1-8 happened. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive power to witness. And there's going to be a supernatural dynamic come in your life. Now, let me close with my experience, and if you'll give me just a couple more minutes. Uh, When I encountered these assembly folks, like I said, they scared me. But at the same time, I sensed the presence of the Lord. And what I did is I just began to dig into the Bible. And I began to consume it in a way. I would buy books about the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was just, I was, I was reading, I was studying, I was coming to try to understand. And I'd have people pray for me a lot. And you know, a lot of times, well-meaning Christians will try to help you experience this ability. And not much happens. I mean, they may speak in tongues themselves or, you know, they, but, but not much happened to me. I mean, I'd have people around me and it just it didn't happen. I mean, I'm... I'm you know, kind of rational, linear thinker, and, you know, how in the world you got to go to spiritual language one, and then you got to go to two, and then you got to go to three. It was really, I just didn't understand it. But one day I'm walking home. The church was on the, on the hill there in Adak, Alaska, and the barracks were down on the, below. It was about a mile and a half walk. And I was really seeking God. And I said, Lord, if this is really true, would you just fill me with your Holy Spirit? An incredible thing happened to me. I'm walking, walking home, and uh, it's a true story now, as, as best I recall it. I'm walking home, and I'm singing these little praise choruses, very simple praise choruses. And all of a sudden, I found myself singing in a different language. And this is true. And this thought came in my mind. Methodists don't do this. I'm just telling you. Because your religious tradition can be the greatest influencer of your life. You can interpret your future by your past. And if your past was lacking something... Which, by the way, if you've ever heard of, uh, what were they called uh, uh, when the meetings that they would have in the awakenings in America? Can't, can't think right now. But they would be out in, in, in groves of trees. And uh, they, they were kind of their own version of Holy Ghost meetings. But anyway, when, when I had that happen to me and I had that thought, it was a defining moment of faith. Because here's what thought, the next thought that came to my mind. I believe this was the Lord. Luke eleven eleven. Luke 11 says, if you're a father and your son asks for a fish or bread, will you give him a stone or a serpent? The obvious answer is no. And then you read this, Luke 11, 11, 11, 12. It says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? And that was at a place where I said, okay, I'm going to take another step of faith. I'm going to endeavor to keep on trying to listen to the Lord and keep on praying. And before I knew it, it was as natural to me as I am standing here today. And I'm telling you, this is one of the most vital parts of my prayer life, my spiritual life, and my worship experience, connecting with the Holy Spirit in His fullness. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of praise. I'll close with this thought. This was our text in Ephesians 6, 18. Clearly, whether you agree or you're kind of confused or I'm going to think about that whole spirit talk, Put that aside just a second. And remember the first part of our message in Ephesians 6, 18, where he says, I want you to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. I want you to be guided by the Spirit, empowered and directed by the Holy Spirit with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, you be alert and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. 
Every one of us in this room today should desire an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit in our prayer life. And uh, I, I want us just to ask the Lord for that right now. Would you just stand to your feet with me? And uh, I want us just to have a moment in prayer. And I want you to close your eyes. So and the reason you're doing that, you're not looking for something mystical to happen. You're, you kind of shut your neighbor out. To just have a private moment between you and God. And Lord, I, I, I think I, I know all of it. None of us in this room want any to be led into error. None of us, Lord, want anything spooky, mystical, or weird. But deep inside all of our hearts is a desire for God. Deep inside all of our hearts is a desire for more than what we have. Deeper in, deep in all of our hearts is a desire to walk in the Spirit. Deep in all of our hearts is a desire to be that link in the chain so that our prayers have spiritual power. And I'm simply going to reach out to heaven right now. If you're comfortable doing it, join me. And just say, Lord, I want everything that you've got in my life. I, I, I don't want to reach the end of my life and realize that I've just had a little religion. God, I want to be a dynamic Christian. I want to be a growing, mature Christian. I want to truly be a spirit-filled person, having not only the character of God, not only the priorities of God, but the Holy Spirit operating in my life. So we welcome you today, and we ask you to come, Lord, and visit us. Visit us, Lord, now in this moment. Visit us this afternoon as we sleep. Visit us in the days ahead and give us a consuming desire for you. In Jesus' name. Let's close like this. We're going to sing one last song and dismiss. But as we're dismissing today, we always want to give a place for personal prayer. If you came to church this morning and there's some burdens, some needs you have in your life, you want someone to pray for you, we're going to have our prayer team come up in just a minute. They'll pray with you about anything. If you want someone to pray with you, just like they did in the book of Acts, and say, hey, I want that spirit talk in my life. I want God to baptize me. Come, we'll pray for you. But the most important prayer we'd pray today is a prayer that many have answered over this weekend. And this, simply the prayer is this. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? I want to ask you deeper, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? When we were having communion this morning, and I talked about your commitment to the Lord, where, where were you? Are you someone that sold out for Christ? Or are you just kind of in the middle being a little religious? Or have you never, ever had a real relationship with God? Can I tell you, friend, I was raised in church and grateful for it, but church won't get you to heaven. When I was raised in that little Methodist church, though, I did grow to believe in Jesus, and I'm grateful for it. There was a time in my life when I was searching for God. Can I tell you, I didn't look for Buddha. I didn't, you know, I didn't meditate and try to find answers in my belly button. I surrendered my life to the God of the universe. And I, I asked Christ. I asked Jesus to forgive my sins and come in my life and save me because I wanted to be a follower the rest of my life. Well, if you feel like I'm talking to you right now, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you to make a commitment to Christ. We'd be honored to pray with you as you make this greatest step of your life. As our prayer team is coming to the front, I'm going to encourage you, if you need to get right with God today, if you'll just move out of your chair and meet someone at the cross, we'll pray for you as you make your way to Christ. Go ahead as our prayer team comes now. They're going to sing our last song. Wait, if you will, until it's over before you go. But if you need prayer, you come. And most importantly, if you need to right, get right with God this morning, we'll meet you at the cross. I love you, and thanks for coming today.